Oh, hi, everybody. My name is Matt Stores, and welcome to Matt's Planning. Today, I have somebody on the podcast who is talking about one of my favorite sports. I'm very excited to talk about that sport and to this person. Expert, please introduce yourself and tell us what you're an expert in. Hi, my name is Dale Rasmussen, and I am a self-proclaimed expert in professional wrestling, the great American art form. Interesting you should say great American art form because my understanding of professional wrestling is that it originated as a carnival sideshow sort of display where the folks were very focused on making sure that people didn't understand that it was pre the outcomes were predetermined and they very much kayfabe I believe it's called try to protect kayfabe but as time progressed, that illusion started to fall apart and fall away, except in some parts of the country where it's become like how people think the South could have won the Civil War. Like they have to hold on to the idea of kayfabe, like with this out outdated mentality that like of a bygone era of like when things were good, if, the, if that makes sense. This wrestling developed you you have the heel and you have the face and typically the heel is a bad guy you're trying to get the crowd to hate you then the face is the person that's trying to get people on their side but as time has progressed the characteristics of what a heel is and what a face is have started to blend together as more reality has started coming into wrestling and, and who ends up being a face and who ends up being a heel is to the whim of the crowd now so people are getting over so to speak with some of the most crazy gimmicks that you could even imagine and my understanding is that wrestlers are getting over based on their gimmicks and how they choose to present themselves in the ring i think some of the best professional wrestling that's ever really come out has been stuff that's connected back to that carnival mentality so some of the most over-the-top gimmicks you have the clowns you have the people dressed in various odd costumes looking like mascots you have people doing wrestling moves that cannot be kicked out of you have the promos where people are talking inanely, very aggressively to a crowd, and people are very inquisitive, pretty consistently asking what, yes. you know, they want more clarity. It's very much like a presidential debate that's gone off the rails, where people are wanting to know more about these policies that these wrestlers are putting forward, but they don't just don't have enough space to really present it as well as they might want to. I think that there are different promotions. They have belts that people are, they covet. Personally, I think that the best belt that anybody can really go for is the intercontinental belt, regardless of the promotion. I think that's usually the one where like the cool guys and the people that aren't like at the tip top would go for the people that are having fun in the ring. They might do some flips and they might do a cool point to the camera and say, hey, you're a oh. cool person in the crowd, that sort of thing. <laughs> and, oh, that's another thing. Sometimes there's fights with people in the crowd. Some of those are pre-planned. Some of them aren't. 
let's see there's a lot of oh yeah there's a lot of racism okay. I believe yeah I believe there's a lot of racism I think that a lot of old wrestling is based on at least you see a lot of racist gimmicks and characters displayed and I think that as time has progressed there's been less of that I think there's been better representation of a lot of different people as time has progressed it has its roots in some very unseemly and it's a very much a collar pull of oh god they thought who thought that was a good idea also there's some creative choices that my understanding is that a lot of the shows at least up until recently would change very quickly or very shortly before they went on the air so in some ways it was like jazz of or improv of yeah we have these matches but we need to make sure that like we are shaking it up to make sure that it appeases our target audience which was one elderly man who was not the best person. Based on that description, how accurate would you say that it was? Matt, I think I would probably give you a solid B minus. A B. I think that you're you're riding the wave on some things, but maybe you're facing the wrong way on your surfboard. So okay. I've certainly heard worse explanations. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's what I, that's where we're aiming for. That your description of a wave reminded me of a wrestler. If I can jump in, I know it's your time to talk, but it reminded me of Typhoon. If you recall, he was a large gentleman who had, right uh, he had a, a gimmick where he was like a large wave. Technically, initially his gimmick was that he was a tugboat. Oh, I did not know that. It, when he, as Tugboat, he was a beloved babyface, as you mentioned, the people. And when he turned dastardly and joined up with the villainous Earthquake, an earthquake in the ocean, you know what's going to happen. A typhoon came out of that, and they run roughshod over the tag team division as the next few years as the natural disasters. Interesting. What got you into wrestling? What or let's actually let's start with what some what are some of the things that I got wrong? As far as the history, one thing I think is fascinating because you're absolutely correct that the origins of pro wrestling go back to the small town carnivals and the county fairs, not just in America, but also overseas in Western Europe. But you had talked about how initially the most important thing was to protect the notion that the outcomes were predetermined from the audience. At the very beginning, the outcomes weren't necessarily predetermined, most important, because this was a con job. Okay. Uh, you would have one person who was your primary attraction, and they would be the ugliest, nastiest, meanest, most vile. And the notion is that if you can last five minutes or 10 minutes or even three minutes in the ring with this nasty man, then you could win yourself some money. I see. To, uh, Spider-Man, three minutes with Bonesaw in the cage. Initially... The idea was is that the show was put on between the members of the carnival troupe so that they could make the nasty, vile villain seem beatable. 
his job was to look like he wrestled the first guy and got through just fine. The second guy he wrestled, well, he managed to squeak out the win, but just barely so that the young man sitting in the front row, the local boy who's been tipping his elbow that afternoon, he's looking at it and he, he thinks I can whip that guy and I can win some money. So he lays down his wager and gets in the ring. And this gentleman that is well-schooled in the art of grappling and human anatomy twists him up into knots and teaches him that you can't, can't take a run at the big dog. And so that was the kind of the initial origin were these con jobs. Uh, and then as it evolved, as you say, it moved into being more of a show for the people instead of a show designed to take advantage of the people, or at least take advantage of them less. We still look and walk out there with their money at the end of the night. Absolutely. So what it sounds like to me is this is one of the, like any good American tradition, this is primarily focused on deception and conning people out of things much snake oil salesman much three card money the true pastimes of america figuring out how to remove money from somebody's pocket i'd say you're entirely correct and also missing the forest for the trees okay at the same, at the same time what's more american than telling fantastic stories Truly. America does have a storytelling background. That's definitely true. I remember being a kid and there was the story that I was very invested in was the story of Nails versus the Big Boss Man. Yes. And in the WWF, I believe at the time, Nails was a convicted felon of some sort. And the Big Boss Man was a cop who that was his that was what he was. And I look back on that now, and it was like very clear that I was supposed to root for the big boss man and my family defense attorneys. I couldn't help but try. I'm like, this guy's in an orange jumpsuit. He just got out of prison. He's trying to set his life right. The cop is just trying to get him back into prison. We got we should root for this guy. He's trying to turn his life around. Do you feel that there are instances in wrestling where you've been very connected to any of the storylines? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just by way, quick correction, the big boss man was a prison guard. Oh, he's a prison guard. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense why he would want to send him back to prison than he wants to keep his job. I would presume that there's some implication that Nails got out because of big boss man's negligence as a prison guard. Only enough, the implication, at least at the beginning was that Nails had a grudge against the big boss man because the big boss man had abused his power and authority when they were both in the same correctional facility on different sides of the bars. So, Interesting. Yes, and you weren't wrong that the big boss man was still presented as the hero, but even with that, they colored in just enough shade of gray back in the cartoonish early 90s to say... But even this, even this hateful, vile villain who's doing these horrible acts of violence against the big boss man, he's, he might be a little bit justified. He might have a reason. It's interesting that they're, they had that connection even that early on. 
Absolutely. And as far as some of the storylines, I'll tell you, there have been there particularly areas where real life intersects with the storylines. In 2005, a beloved pro wrestler by the name of Eddie Guerrero passed away. And it was a terrible shock, not just to fans of pro wrestling, but to his colleagues and his mm -hmm. friends. And the mourning process really did become a big part of storylines for several wrestlers, including one who was closely identified with Eddie, a luchador named Rey Mysterio Jr. And that saw this, this wrestler who was, he's all of five foot five and 170 pounds. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it has always been a giant's game, but we cheered him on to the world championship on the biggest stage of them all, an event called WrestleMania, which is if the Super Bowl and the Tonys had an offspring that might be wrestlemania um but that would be one of those storylines that sticks with me catharsis real catharsis the ability to celebrate to grieve the high and the low in sequence and at the same time the same way that the very best of books can do for us or movies or any other form of art absolutely it sounds what the wrestling really provides us is a lot of pathos we push like the logic aside to some degree push the ethos aside a little bit and we just we want that emotion and they're really trying to latch that emotion trying to get us as invested as possible would that does that sound about right it sounds like it's that the goal of fiction if that makes sense it absolutely is. It's that stirring of emotion. It's the same thing that Mozart was shooting for. It's the same thing that we got in the Cineplex a few years ago when we saw Spider-Man evaporate and then come swinging out of a portal. It's just, it's that rush. It's that elation. It's, it's the beauty and the art of story. Absolutely. That's fantastic. If people wanted to learn more about you or they wanted to learn more about wrestling or if they wanted to get into wrestling, where might they go? What matches might they watch? What would you recommend? The first thing that I would recommend if someone is remotely interested in wrestling, as much great wrestling has been aired over television, the internet in the last 50 years or more, look at the history of television to check pro wrestling. That's something I tell people to take a look at. But if you really want to get into pro wrestling, I'd say find a local event, whether it's a touring show from one of the major promotions like AEW or the WWE, or even if just some local group in your area does shows once a month at a high school gym. Communal experience of seeing a wrestling match, because it goes back to what you talked about, that, that call and response, that interactivity with the crowd. It's one of the things that makes pro wrestling unique. And while wrestling on TV is fun, you can't yell at a wrestler and tell him, go back where you came from and have him tell him, why don't you go back? That's going to be the best experience. Once you got your throat wet, I'd say can't hurt by checking out the single greatest pro wrestling match of all time, in my opinion. It was WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid versus The Undertaker. Absolutely fantastic match that can be viewed on the Peacock Network. I've heard very good things about that match. I hope uh, people do check it out. I really appreciate you talking to me today. 
Absolutely. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about the squared circle in pro wrestling. And I always enjoy the opportunity to get to catch up with you, Matt. Doesn't Absolutely. happen often. Yeah, it's, it's, it was my pleasure. I really appreciated being able to talk about America's second greatest art form, or maybe greatest art form, depending upon your perspective, other than jazz, professional wrestling. My name is Matt Stores, and this has been Matt Splaining. <laughs>